It's January, and that means it's New Year's resolution season. But what are consumers currently doing to change their diets? Data Central's Marie Moldy joins us to talk about health-forward restaurant concepts, trending health food attributes, and the impact of GLP-1 drugs on this episode of the Food Institute podcast coming at you right now. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, I do want to let our audience know that the Food Institute put together a new report on GLP-1 drugs entitled The Impact of Weight Loss Drugs. Food Institute e-members, professional members, corporate members, and enterprise members can access the report for free, and non-members can purchase it for $99. As always, check the description of this episode for links to our membership page and the shop page for the report itself, and I really recommend you take a look at this one. It's such an interesting topic that's probably going to have a material impact on the food industry in the years to come. So, with that out of the way, Marie, welcome to the show. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about yourself and Data Central for those who might not be familiar with you just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. My name is Marie Moldy. I'm a registered dietitian at Data Central. And if you're not familiar with Data Central, we're a, a global food and beverage intelligence platform, and we offer a suite of uh, software tools and innovation solutions that empower food and beverage industry manufacturers and operators to more effectively develop and market and sell their products in food service and retail and beyond. And thank you for that. And we're right now in the middle of January. A lot of people are going out there with their New Year's resolutions. And one of those biggest trends typically is health and wellness. So I was wondering if we could open up the talk today with just maybe a general viewpoint on health and wellness in the food service sector. And I was wondering what you could tell us about that just from a general overview standpoint. Absolutely. And I think the first thing I would say here is that kind of gone are the times or the days when consumers used to think of health and wellness in kind of a really specific lens. Maybe they they thought, okay, if I want to be healthy, I need to think about my diet and my exercise routine, maybe like those two things. And now, and I would say, especially since the pandemic, consumers have much more of a holistic view on health. So it's not only their diet. I mean, As a registered dietitian, I'd certainly argue diet is very important and possibly the most important component of health, but consumers really look beyond that today. They think about their diet, they think about their exercise routine, they think about planetary health and being an eco-conscious consumer. Mental health is a huge part of uh, how we consider our own health these days and also emotional health. So uh, actually, Chris, do you have any thought? We just got some survey data back on what the number one health goal is for consumers this year. Do you have a guess on what it could be? So I'm assuming it's not weight loss, considering that's typically what you see. So I'm thinking that it might be something else. But to be honest, I don't really have an idea here. So maybe you could share that yeah. with us. Well, you're right. It's not weight loss. So for the second year in a row, it's actually drinking more water and hydration is the number one health goal. And uh, this year, that was actually tied right alongside exercise. So those are the top two goals. It's about 68% of the general population are aiming for that this year. And of course, we see differences if we look at specific age groups, but generally across our population, those are the top two goals. That's fairly interesting. And I think now, you know, with some of that in the background, we could talk a little bit about how food service is going to be trying to meet this. But I think, you know, 
One of the biggest trends we picked up over the last couple of years with food service and especially with inflation is that food service has started to become more of a snacking occasion for a lot of consumers. So I'm wondering when you take a look at that, how does that fit into the overall health and wellness trend you're seeing in the food industry? Yeah, it's definitely an important part of it. I was looking into some of our data about snacking. And so three fourths of consumers say that they've had a snack to replace a traditional meal at least once per week. And uh, the last snacks that a consumer had replaced a meal for them for a third of consumers. Uh, Beyond that, 28% of overall caloric intake comes from snacks for consumers today. So it really is a huge part of their diet. And it is something that consumers think about in regard to healthy eating too. So half of consumers today say snacking is an important part of healthy eating. I think maybe we used to think of snacking as almost a bad word. It's like maybe something we shouldn't do or we're advised to focus on three solid meals per day or snacking was always thought of as potato chips or soda or maybe something that's not quite as not not a healthy item for us per se. But examining the last snack that consumers are having, almost 40% of them say it was healthy. So that is a sizable chunk. And also food service operators are telling us that healthy snacks are performing better for them than indulgent ones when it comes to sales. So consumers are snacking more. They're looking for more healthful snacks. And food service operators are also finding success with healthy snacks. So I think this whole notion of how healthy eating and health goals correlate to snacking. There's a the really big correlation there. And I think you bring up a good point too. When I first started thinking about this topic, you know, if you're having three full meals and you're snacking through the day, that's probably not the best, you know, way to lose weight or get more healthy. But to your point, if it's actually a replacement for one of those meals, it seems to make a little bit more sense that consumers are able to utilize that snacking opportunity as part of their, you know, overall health goals for the new year. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things you brought up at the top here, too, was just, you know, what's good in a diet, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, from the data central perspective, and I know we're only into, you know, the first week here of the new year, but maybe taking a look even towards the end of last year, what are consumers looking to add into their diets right now? And what are they taking out of their diets? And, you know, what can we say at the food service sector? What's really trending on that front? Yeah. So in that same survey I mentioned where we found that, Drinking more water and exercising are the top health goals. Uh, Some of the goals that grew the most for consumers from last year are eating more immune-boosting foods. So that's something that a third of consumers today are looking for. And then also an even slightly larger chunk, 35% of consumers are looking to cut more fat and calories from their diet this year. So that's two camps, uh, eating more immune-boosting foods and also cutting fat and calories, I would go a layer deeper into the fat and calories and say that consumers have a more mindful eye for things like healthy versus unhealthy fats these days or empty versus nutritious calories. And they focus more so on the quality of the calories and the foods that they're putting into their bodies. So I think we may talk more about uh, plant-based foods later, but consumers are really looking for whole food plant-based options these days and whole food plant-based protein sources. Functional foods remains a category that consumers are really looking to add to their diets. So things like 
adaptogens fall in that category. Lots of different mushroom varieties. You know, the mushroom coffees are different uh, mushroom products that are meant to help our brain health and things like that. And then also healthy fats from things like avocados or wild salmon or different types of seafood as compared to unhealthy fats that consumers look to avoid that are those processed fats, saturated fats, and trans fats. We also find when it comes to what consumers want to take out of their diets, GMOs are growing in prevalence there. People are learning more about GMOs and thinking maybe that's something they want to avoid in their diet where they can. I would also add sugar to that list. Sugar is something people have been keeping an eye on for a long time now, and it is something that there's at least a goal to limit sugar in your diet. Uh, whether or not we always achieve that, of course, is questionable, but that is something that usually tops the list when we ask about what you want to remove from your diet. And then also in line with those unhealthy fats, we're hearing more about vegetable oils and seed oils and those being considered unhealthy by consumers and something that they're looking to limit or avoid in their diets this year. So a lot of interesting stuff there. I think it's interesting to see the growth of the mushroom really over the last couple of years specifically. Um, I know there's a lot of adaptogens in there, but very interesting to me overall that of all of the different things that are out there on the market right now, it really does seem that mushrooms are having a moment. Are you seeing the same thing? Oh, a hundred percent. And it's been fun to try some of them, Chaga and Lion's Mane. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so we're lucky in this part of the country to have a lot of uh, wild mushrooms growing around this climate. So it's fun to go to the markets and see like the, the Lion's Mane that looks like a big puffy head of cauliflower, sort of. Have you tried that one? I have not yet, but I am on the lookout for it, to be honest. You don't get as many, uh, you know, wild grown mushrooms over here, at least in my part of New Jersey, but it is something that we're keeping an eye on. Um, and definitely something that we saw, you know, pretty, pretty regularly through 2023 in our plant-based insider newsletter. We talked about mushrooms a lot over the last couple of years, it seems. So definitely seems to be growing in popularity across the country. Totally. Yeah. And very tasty ingredient too. And so versatile. I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit too, is just if there's any specific cuisines or even restaurant concepts you're finding that are making a splash, uh, when it comes to health and wellness in the current food service scene, is there anything you're seeing on your radar? Yeah, I think I'd be remiss not to mention the Mediterranean diet that comes up again and again as such a healthy diet for human health and some of the core ingredients there, seafood, olive oil, lots of produce, grains, really are a, a great healthful choice to include in our diet. So I think as much as we can think about Mediterranean food choices is to our benefit. I also recently heard about this concept I, I personally would love to try. It's a emerging restaurant chain. I believe they're based in San Francisco called Catava. Have you heard of them, Chris? I have not heard of them actually. Yeah, so they're small right now. They have three units and they identify themselves as a clean, casual restaurant. So not a fast, casual restaurant, but a clean, casual restaurant. And they center their menu around vegetables and healthy fats and what they call mindful proteins. And one of their key messages is that, you know, I just mentioned kind of the avoidance of seed oils and vegetable oils. And they say for their menu, 
They never use unhealthy seed oils. They never use refined sugars or chemicals or artificial preservatives. And they also avoid a lot of the most common allergens. So like gluten and dairy and peanuts and soy. And that's another thing looking into our menu data at Data Central. Gluten-free is really continuing to trend. In fact, just in the last quarter of last year, so Q4 2023, we saw the menu penetration of gluten-free surpass the menu penetration of vegetarian as a call out on menus. I think if memory serves me, gluten-free is hovering at around like 43 or 44% of menus today. So that really helps us see that's continuing to trend. It's something more and more consumers are looking for. And I think it's interesting when we see these emerging concepts like Catawba take a stand and say, we're not using some of these ingredients that are considered unhealthy. And we're also avoiding these allergens that we know are important to consumers today to, to not include in their diets. And I think the Mediterranean diet's an interesting one. Over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of stuff come out, like the DASH diet, you know, keto. One of the biggest things that I saw, though, recently was U.S. News & World Report ranked the Mediterranean diet as the most popular for the seventh year in a row. So it has some staying power, too, which is kind of interesting. And I think, you know, taking a look at that, uh, similar name to Catawba, but Kava itself, right? Another darling of the food service industry, another Mediterranean-based concept that's doing very well. And it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for companies that are able to kind of sit into that fast casual or even that clean casual, which is a great term, I think, that will likely be utilized by some other companies going forward uh, to try to meet consumers where they're at right now, which is they want something convenient, but they also want it to be healthy. Totally. That's cool. I didn't realize it was ranked as the healthiest for seven years in a row. That's definitely staying power right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we're going to turn the conversation a little bit right now, but I think it's really hard to talk about health and wellness right now in the food industry without at least touching upon GLP-1 drugs. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, from your spot as, you know, an RD, what do you think about the proliferation of these weight loss drugs? Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Do you think we're just too early on to really know what's going on there? What's your take on how these drugs, which seemingly came out of nowhere, at least from a person like me and the layperson in my seat, you know, over the last six months, it seems like out of nowhere, everybody's talking about these. So could you give us a little bit of color on what you think is going on with these drugs? Definitely. I would say my opinion is maybe perhaps unfortunately I don't believe there's any magic pill or magic bullet to help with weight loss. And I think one of the issues we find or we have with health and nutrition is there's such a lag time between when you start to make a change and when you see results. So you have to work out a number of times, several months, you know, you have to eat well, make good choices at lots of your meals before you ever see a result. And so that can be tough for people. We live in a society now where we like to see quick results and we can in a lot of areas of our lives, but we can't with our health. And when something like this comes along and I think the keto diet, I would personally couple, not that they're the same by any measure, but I think keto is able to show quick weight loss for a lot of people who try it. And I think Ozempic, it's, it's really appealing because it can help 
consumers lose weight quickly and kind of lose their appetite and not feel like they need to eat as much and see quick results. But I don't think there's, I don't think it's a magic bullet. And I think we will see some unfortunate side effects and consequences from it eventually. It's so new right now. And certainly there's all kinds of headlines about both positive and negative things. But I'll also say Data Central just fielded a survey about Ozempic, and we find that 3% of consumers use them today. It's the highest usage among boomers, actually, at 5% of the boomer population using these drugs. And interest is highest among millennial consumers, with 17% of millennials interested in taking these drugs. you know, that said, consumers who use these are still a very small minority, 3% of people. And with less than 15% of people saying they're even interested in using them, that's still quite a small camp. So it's not nothing and it's growing. And I, I read somewhere that uh, someone is predicting by 2030, 7% of Americans will be on these drugs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there and how the usage continues to increase or decrease. I do think that they need to, until they are more affordable for anyone, I think that today they're close to like $900 or $1,000 a month for a prescription. Until they are more affordable for anyone to get them without a prescription, I wonder how much the usage will increase, but I guess that's that's yet to be seen. We'll have to keep an eye on it and see where it goes. And it's interesting. Uh, Vince Martin recently wrote an article for us here at the Food Institute saying that snacking brands are going to see a material impact from these drugs in the future. Um, I think when you kind of take a look at it with the obesity rates in the United States and also how consumers are looking for convenience, it seems like a slam dunk if these drugs work. That said, when you take a look at any company that is operating in the food space, they're all basically saying, holding the line, saying it's not going to have a material impact. So I'm just wondering, you know, I I guess we kind of heard a little bit about it. You think that it's a small camp right now, but do you think that food service is going to have to really contend with this as an issue in the coming years? Or is it really tied directly to, you know, how these drugs proliferate, how many people actually end up on them? What's your take for like how food service can kind of contend with this in the years to come? I think the potential for Ozempic and WeGovy and other drugs like this to move entire industries like food service is a little overblown right now until they are more affordable uh, for more people to get and maybe also available without a prescription. I do think that food service is different. You mentioned the article Vince wrote was about snacking brands, and I can see it a, a clear separation there that maybe these drugs will have more potential to impact the snacking occasion and make a difference for snacking brands because people have less of an appetite. They're going to be looking for smaller portions, grab and go, the proliferation of snacking anyways. I see more of a potential for these drugs to impact snacking than food service right now. But when they are more affordable and when people can get them without a prescription, maybe food service will see more of an impact. 
Yes, plenty to see on that front. And I think, you know, maybe next year we'll be having a follow-up conversation talking a little bit more about it. But definitely going to be an interesting thing to track as the year goes on, I think. Totally. I agree. So a little bit earlier, we did talk a a tad about plant-based, but I'd like to come back to this because it is a topic that I know you've talked with other Food Institute members about. Um, To me, it's one of the craziest stories I've seen in my time in the food industry, how quickly these plant-based products grew in popularity. Then there was a dip. And now, depending on, I guess, which camp you're in, some people say that it's just going to start growing again in a different way. Some people say that the fad is over. I'm just wondering from your viewpoint right now, when you take a look at plant-based foods, and that could be you know, meat analogs or even just plant-forward foods, as some companies are now branding themselves, what are you seeing on that front? And what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think plant-forward has more legs than than plant-based as a camp. I think what we see is that companies who are in this space and brands who are in this space are moving more toward of a continued focus on ingredients that are closer to actual plants than maybe ingredients that are very processed or people have trouble pronouncing them Uh I think that's what the consumer wants as well. So we've known all along for years and years and years uh, since plant-based has been such a big topic in our industry that health is the number one reason that consumers are choosing plant-based foods. And I think they're thinking about it maybe a layer deeper than we were at first about, okay, what foods are healthy for me? What types of ingredients should I be looking for in a plant-based food? And it's right there in the name for us. We should be looking for plant, whole, whole plant-based foods. And we find in our research at Data Central that in the near term, inherently plant-forward dishes are likely to see more growth than analogs. So consumers tell us they're most interested and most likely to look for products and menu items that are made with things like beans and mushrooms and fruits and veggies and grains. And actually at the very bottom of the list is plant-based foods that are meant to mimic the meat experience. So consumers are saying it. I think we're seeing a shift of the industry that way too, that uh, plant forward really has a lot of legs and plant-based of course is very big as well. I, I haven't seen it myself, but I know there's a a new uh, show on Netflix right now. I think it's called You Are What You Eat. Have you seen it, Chris? No, but it sounds like I have something else to add onto my watch list at this point then. <laughs> yeah, same over here. I haven't seen it, but I believe that the premise is they follow some t- sets of twins through their lives and analyze their diets and what's most healthy for us. And my understanding is the conclusion is a vegan diet is most healthy uh, we also had that Game Changers documentary that was out a couple years ago, and that really promoted vegan diets. There was just the Blue Zones documentary that does the same, really promotes plant-based foods. So that is going nowhere in my mind. That's going to continue to be the recommendation for how we should eat and what's most most healthy for us. I just think that the focus is going to be more of those whole food plant-based items. So I think that brings up an interesting question because, you know, fast food especially, but a lot of, you know, food service operators really made the investment for these plant-based meat analogs, as I call them at least, you know, Impossibles, Beyond, and the other companies that were creating these plant-based versions of existing items. So I'm just wondering, you know, 
even if consumers are looking for it, do you think the food service industry is going to actually switch over and start doing these more plant forward meals? Or do you think that they're going to stick with those traditional plant-based options? Is there a future where like both of these things are on menus? How do you see that playing out? I can certainly see a future where both exist. There is definitely is a consumer who's interested in the, the burgers and the alternatives and the analogs. Uh, it's interesting in our LTO tracking database at Data Central, we saw quite a drop from last, sorry, we're in 2024 now, but a drop from 2022 to 2023 as far as number of plant-based LTOs that were released. I think you mentioned that too. We've seen such a, a wave in what's going on with innovation and what's happening in this space. I think that the industry or the the segment of food service also matters and that these all types of plant-based options have been really successful in say college and university where they are capturing consumers like right on the uh, cusp of adulthood and how they're forming their eating habits for the rest of their lives and my understanding is lots of these alternatives and all kinds of plant-based options are performing well in the cnu space so i think we should think about it by segment as well, on-site food service versus commercial food service. And overall, I think all segments will move toward including more whole food plant-based items. Certainly, I would personally like to see that happen. And I also think the consumer interest is clearly there. So I do think that's where we'll start to see more shifts. Very interesting. And another thing we'll have to keep our eyes on for the rest of the year, I think. Um, just taking a look, you know, towards the rest of 2024, are there any other major health and wellness trends we haven't discussed yet that you think are going to be impactful in the coming year? Uh, yeah, a couple things. So one thing maybe I've mentioned once or twice, but this notion of kind of eco-conscious eating and buzzwords like regenerative agriculture, low carbon food choices, reducitarian, climatarian, I think that's very big in the space. And I think consumers do conflate nutrition and sustainability and those, you know, they go hand in hand. And it's something that you kind of back to our early conversation, when people think about healthy choices, it's not just their food, it's also planetary health. So I think that that component is a big part of it. I also think longevity is a huge buzzword in the space right now, too. I recently learned about something called rapamycin, which is a drug that's found in the soil on Easter Island. And it has the potential to play a role, a big role purportedly, in slowing down the formation of aging cells in our bodies. So it can help people with longevity. I've heard predictions that 10 years out from now, everybody's going to be on rapamycin. Maybe we'll see it surpass use of these GLP-1 drugs, we'll see. But I think longevity and buzzwords like autophagy and mTOR, rapamycin, we're going to hear more about that. Uh, And then I think also lastly, it is a problem with nutrition and health. As I mentioned, it's just like such a lag time between behavior and result. And the lag time is super long right now. You make a healthy choice day after day after day, And you have to wait a long time until you see an impact. And there are options on the market today, like 
glucose monitors, for example, that people can wear. And I think they cost around maybe $100 a month or so. And you can see right then and there if you're wearing one that if you eat a donut, your glucose spikes. So like right there, it's made very clear for you that maybe that's not the best choice. And maybe that would impact your next choice, whether you're going to have a donut the next day or not. And I know there's also a product, I think it's only approved in the UK right now, but it's like a, a immediate blood pressure monitor. So you can kind of keep really close track on what your blood pressure's looking like. So some of these at-home monitoring solutions, I think we may see more of. And I wonder about their potential to really spark change because they do give us much more immediate insight about our nutrition than we really have right now. Definitely some more interesting things to take and keep an eye on in the coming year. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time here, Marie. So I just want to make sure we got an opportunity to let you know if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about Data Central, where should they go? Yeah, thank you, Chris. Well, please visit us on our website. It's datacentral.com. Uh, there's a, a button there you'll see to request a demo. You'll hear right away from us. Or also, uh, please email us at hello at datacentral.com. Excellent. I want to thank you again for spending some time with us today, Marie. Always insightful, and we really appreciate you spending some time here with us on the Food Institute podcast. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's been a pleasure. So that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Once again, make sure you take a look at the links in the description to learn a little bit more about Data Central, but also take a look at that report we did on the impact of weight loss drugs. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell, signing off.